a great one. Mark Levin, tonight at 7. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 6.07 on Thursday morning. Mike Casper is still gone. At least until Monday. He's on vacation. Mm-hmm. So, hi, I'm Rick Worthington filling in, a, in for today. A very nice, warm place called Scottsdale, Arizona. How are you doing this morning, Chris Walton? I cannot complain. Yes, you could. <laughs> I usually don't, though. <laughs> uh, yeah, compared to where I could be right now, I'm doing just fine. Okay. There was uh, some very big news yesterday. Uh, Governor Brad Little yesterday signed a bill that would allow private parties to sue abortion providers. Uh, There are still some questions in regards to this particular bill about whether the law will survive any legal challenges or not. But uh, we'll try and educate you a little bit about what the bill is, what exactly the governor signed and all the... It's a little. It's pretty complex, though, right, Chris? I mean, yeah. I wouldn't be. It's, it's not. It's, it's not just a you know black or white type of uh, you know thing. It's it's not just a yes or no question. Right. There there are things that have to happen in Texas in order for Idaho's law to be in effect. So, yeah, it's worth explaining a little bit. So we'll try and dive into that. Look, the legislature is going as hard as they can right now to try and get done tomorrow. For the entire session. Mm -hmm. And the way I hear it, they're going to signy die on Friday so that they don't have any of this, uh, hey, we're going to try and get everybody back into session, a special session that, uh, nothing like that. Oh, they're not that at all. They're not fighting the governor as much this term. No, not this term. Um, well, we'll wait and see how all that goes. I mean, heck. It's a long time before uh, January comes back around, so you never know what uh, folks in the legislature will try to do or, you know, what the Idaho Freedom Foundation will try and make them do. So, mm-hmm. who knows? In any case, we'll uh, we'll dive into the abortion bill itself. You may have heard me mention the, the lieutenant governor again. She did something pretty cool yesterday. She cast a vote in the Idaho Senate, which is... Her role as basically the president of the Senate, she had a tiebreaker vote to uh, push a bill through. Let me see if I can uh, summarize as best I can. You have a number of students that are engaged in Idaho Medical School. Mm -hmm. And those students that take public dollars to attend that school have the responsibility now to Spend time practicing in Idaho after they're done with their education, or they're going to have to pay all that money back, (laughs) or at least up to like $120,000. We've talked about this before. There are small towns throughout America that put kids through college and medical schools so they can have a town doctor again. Right, right. So the, uh, the bill that was up, it was split right down the middle. And uh, the lieutenant governor cast the vote that says, those doctors, if you're going to use public dollars, you got to pay it back unless you come back to Idaho to Mm -hmm. uh, give back a little bit, which I agree with. I agree with 100%. I think it's a great idea. Why it was split is really what I don't understand. Uh, There was a Judiciary Committee bill that went through yesterday. Nearly didn't. Uh, there were some very strong objections from the courts 
from attorneys from around the state. The Senate Judiciary Committee approved a last-minute piece of legislation that will make a lot of changes to the Idaho Judicial Council, as well as the judge selection process here in Idaho. So there were plenty of people that argued against it. It's uh, HB 782. Um, it, It does allow for a small increase in salary for Idaho judges, but it also makes a number of changes. So there were a number of uh, legislators that were on this committee, and they said, you know what, let's try and hold this thing up. Put it in a drawer and forget about it for the year. That didn't work. Then they had a voice vote. The thing went through. So now it has a due pass recommendation, and the mm, – does it go to the Senate? I want to say it goes to the full Senate now for a vote. Okay. Um. Idaho's Judicial Council system, it's been in place since 1967. It's worked pretty well, and a lot of people that are in that business didn't want to see any changes to it. Nevertheless, <laughs> there will be some changes I if think this goes uh, through. It, it's not through yet, by the way. So. I, I think it's a fairly uh, easy assumption that, that, that no matter what bill goes through or is signed by the governor, there are people who aren't going to like it because it changes something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Chad Daybell is in the news. He had a mm-hmm. hearing yesterday. His lawyer is trying to get his uh, case thrown out. I don't think they're going to do that. Good luck with that big guy. <laughs> you find two bodies buried in your backyard. and Yeah, they tend to go through with the trial. Yeah, I would think so. The death penalty is on the table right now for Chad and Lori Daybell. Of course, Lori Daybell can't get in a courtroom because she's been found mentally uh, incompetent to I mean, trial. I was going to make the uh, you know nutty as a fruitcake assessment uh she a little crazy nobody's surprised that's a, to hear that's, that. a that's a distinct possibility yeah. yeah Lori Vallow is one of those women that if you were going to date her you have to you know look at what's that uh the ratio beautiful to crazy ratio the crazy hot scale that's what that is Nathaniel <laughs> yes the crazy hot scale pretty good looking also pretty crazy where do you meet in the middle on that? A little too crazy. If you're willing to put up with a little crazy, you can have a life filled with beauty. <laughs> but also yeah. crazy. Thank you for getting me on that on board mm-hmm. with that, Nathaniel. Oh, my goodness. So I brought that out early this morning. That's probably going to get me in trouble later. I have married into crazy, but I don't regret it. Good for you. <laughs> Because she she married into crazy, too. Oh, well, I'll let you guys point the finger at each other to see who's craziest. Don't worry, we will. Okay. Number to call today if you want to jump in on anything, 208-336-3700, 1-800-529-KBOI, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. Again, we will discuss the bill that Governor Brad Little signed yesterday, allowing private parties to sue abortion providers Uh, And we'll talk about some of the questions that still remain about what kind of legal challenges are about to come up and who's going to file them. And there's going to be a lot more on that. So stand by for that. It's 614, though, and time for sports. Brought to you by Fat Guys Fresh Deli in Meridian. They're right over there by Mountain View High School off of Overland. Always trust a fat sandwich, which you will find today at Fat Guys Fresh Deli, 208. Always eat. 855-0424. Always eat a fat sandwich, too. 
Yeah, they're good. No getting around it. In sports, the craziest thing is going on in the AFC West. All of those dang teams are good. Maybe the exception of the Raiders. Just a bias here. The Kansas City Chiefs, though, did something I did not expect them to do. They traded six-time Pro Bowl wide receiver Tyreek Hill to the Miami Dolphins. You know who's excited about that? The Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins. Yeah. Yeah, I... I happened to be watching some Miami local news last night, and they were very excited. So here, here's the deal. Tyreek Hill, if you don't already know this, is the fastest receiver in football, and it's not close. That dude takes off from the line, and he gets double coverage every time, an umbrella over the top helping out just to make mm-hmm. sure he doesn't hit the deep ball. It's Patrick Mahomes' favorite wide receiver that's you know not a tight end who's been an all-pro 100 million times <laughs> as well. Yeah, Travis Kelsey, pretty darn good over the middle. But taking away Tyreek Hill from that offense, I think is a big detriment to that football team because he always takes the top Mm -hmm. off the defense. Not that they run the football very much, but you've got a guy that can do that there. Well, they may not have ever had a better time to trade him. They'll get a 2022 first-round pick, the number 29 pick overall, a second-round pick, a fourth-round pick, plus fourth- and sixth-round picks in next year's draft. Trade is still pending a physical. Tyreek Hill has to pass that in order for the deal to go through. The Dolphins, though, will give Hill a four-year deal worth $120 million, including $72 wow. million guaranteed. $30 million a year and seventy-two guaranteed. And they're going to give him $52 million of that as a signing bonus. <sighs> Hello. It'll See, make would, him the highest-paid wide receiver in NFL history. I, I feel like I have a good work ethic, but if, if I signed for $52 million, I would sign and retire. I looked at the Devontae Adams contract that the Raiders have yeah. with him now. And I said, wow, that's a lot of money to dedicate to a wide receiver. A lot of money. Especially if two is not the guy to get him the football. But the Dolphins say, we need some help. we got to get somebody out there that mm-hmm. can catch a ball. And we think Tyreek Hill is the guy that's going to get it done for us. And, well, they're going to pay him. Congratulations, Miami Dolphin fan. Have you ever had Tyreek Hill on a fantasy team? I have not. I have. It was quite lucrative. I imagine it was. KBOI News Time, 617. Be a part of the show at 336-3700 or toll-free 1-800-529-KBOI. Now, back to Casper and Chris on News Talk KBOI. 623 now on News Talk KBOI. With Mike Casper out for the week, I'm Rick Worthington filling in. My most humble apologies as I sit here and try and Make radio fun and uh, fail miserably most of the time. Giving it a good shot, though, this morning. People in uh, California, it looks like millions of people in California, could possibly be getting up to $800 in gas tax refunds to uh, fight the high fuel prices. That's that's according to the governor of California. Folks in California could use it. Have you seen what the price of gas is there? Mm-hmm. It's, it's over. right at the verge of six bucks a gallon. Yes. And well, worse in I some I was going to say well over five, but yeah, close to six. As I understand, in some places in Southern California, you're paying six bucks already. Um, Bay Area, upwards of six bucks already. See, the problem is that California doesn't just have high gas prices. They also have a seriously high gas tax in the state of California, which is well over a dollar a gallon. So 
you're paying crazy high fuel prices on top of a crazy high gas tax, and it's just that's why everybody drives a Prius. <laughs> It'd be nice to get eight hundred dollars back from the state government. It would be nice. Don't know if it'll you know work or not, but I was looking at that headline a little bit. There's a report from NATO today. NATO estimates in the range of 7,000 to 15,000 Russian soldiers who have been killed in the four weeks of the war in Ukraine. Which, interestingly, in four weeks in Ukraine, uh, Russia has lost as many soldiers as they did when they were in Afghanistan for 10 years. That's what they say, that Russia lost somewhere in the neighborhood of 15,000 troops over 10 years in Afghanistan. Ukraine putting up some stiff resistance. Senior NATO military officials said the alliance's estimates were based on information from Ukrainian authorities, what Russia has released, intentionally or not, and intelligence gathered from open sources. The officials spoke on condition of anonymity, underground rules that are set by NATO. Ukraine has released very little information about its own military losses and uh Folks in the United States, folks that are friends with Ukraine, are not giving any estimates either. President Vladimir Zelensky said nearly two weeks ago about 1,300 Ukrainian servicemen had been killed, but that's really the only number that we've seen, and it came from Zelensky himself. it's not up to date. When Russia unleashed its invasion back on February 24th, in Europe's biggest offensive since World War II, a swift toppling of Ukraine's government seemed like it was going to be likely. But with yesterday marking a full four weeks of fighting, Moscow is bogged down in a grinding military campaign, and there really is no end in sight here. Um, Zelensky, who will speak to NATO members by video today, also said he's asking the alliance to provide effective and unrestricted support to Ukraine, including any weapons the country needs to fend off that Russian invasion. Senior U.S. defense officials said yesterday that Russian ground forces appear to be digging in now and setting up defensive positions 15 to 25 uh, kilometers outside of well, Kiev. I would, I would say if 15,000 of them have been killed, it's probably about time they got a little defense. Well, maybe. Maybe the other thought is is now they're just set to wait it out. You know, we don't have to move in any further. We've mm-hmm. done all the damage we really need to well, do. Like, uh, uh, what, 90% of the buildings are destroyed. It's like what Germany did to Russia in World War II. I mean, eventually, the Russian side, which was the Allied side, won. But uh, for the longest time, uh, Germany just, you know, kept a siege on right. on uh, Leningrad, Stalingrad, and various places like that. Sure. And, uh, you know, killed so many people. And it really cost uh, Russia uh, just tons of money. Yeah, it did. Well, this is kind of the thought that uh, Russia just going to dig in now and wait, see what happens. Maybe they don't have to penetrate any further into uh, Ukraine. More on that coming up. We'll have a news break for you from ABC at the top of the hour. Meanwhile, it's time for local news here at the bottom of the hour. KBOI News Time is 627. Broadcasting from the Empire Title Studios, we are News Talk KBOI. now on News Talk KBOI. Again, Rick Worthington filling in for Mike Casper. Didn't you just do news? Yeah, I did. did News. (laughs) Now I'm back here talking to you, Chris. Mm -hmm. What do you got today? 
Uh, let's see, there's a, a few things uh, that are going on. We've got an instant message here, first of all, from Curtis, uh, when we were talking about uh, the gas prices in California being on the verge of hitting $6. Curtis wrote in and said, Los Angeles in the city, gas is $7.18 a gallon. Is it really? So they've gone My way goodness. past that six mark and past the seven. I guess I shouldn't be surprised that in L.A. gas prices would be that expensive. Mm-hmm. I just I find it unbelievable. <laughs> today, uh, you, could, you could have an interesting lunch if you celebrate uh, the holidays today. Today is National Cheesesteak Day, so have yourself a Philly. Hell yes. And it's also National Cocktail Day, so you can wash down the Philly. That doesn't sound like a bad thing at all for the Sweet 16s yeah. getting started today. Hey, you know, uh, I don't know that we brought this up, the new In-N-Out burger that's coming to Meridian. We've heard reports from Boise Dev on this for a little while. Mm-hmm. I mean, we knew that it was just a matter of time before In-N-Out came to the Treasure Valley area. I mean, if you want an In-N-Out burger right now, I think the best you can do is drive to Salt Lake and just this side of, uh, or maybe it's in Ogden, is about the first In-N-Out you'll come to, which... By the way, my wife and son were all about, it's like, you, you want to just drive to Salt Lake today to get some in and out? I was like, no, five guys <laughs> is like right over there. I'll just do that. Um, five hours. Yeah. It's a, well, it's, round trip. That's it, a trip to go hours, get yeah. a burger. But if you really like in and out, well, one will be coming to Meridian, although it might take you five hours to get through there. Consider the idea that the plan is to put it at the village in Meridian, right there, the corner of Fairview and Eagle Road. Now, have you seen the line for In-N-Out Burger? Have you heard about the lines for In-N-Out Burger? They're long as it is, any time of day. Grand opening In-N-Out Burger? There was a, a I want to say it was Colorado Springs opened an In-N-Out Burger, and the line was miles long. Miles? Miles long. Ridiculous. It's still just a hamburger. Yeah, well, I mean, even if it's a really good hamburger, it's still just hamburger. Some people swear by In-N-Out and other people say, nah, it's overrated. I still have yet to find out. You've never had an In-N-Out burger? Never once. I've been to California, Nevada, Arizona. You've them. run across a few. I've, I've, I've passed them, but I've never, I've never been right in front of one when it was meal time. They're good. They're good burgers. I mean, I, I say, the fries are pretty good too. Shakes are eh, okay. I think the burgers are good though, but I wouldn't wait an hour for an In and Out burger. Like I say, Five Guys is just right over there, and it's about the best darn burger around. KBOI News Time is six thirty eight. Night at 10, it's Michael Knowles. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 6.43 now on News Talk KBOI. Another really nice day on tap for us. If you didn't just catch that weather forecast, we're near 75 tomorrow and Saturday and probably Sunday as well, although a little bit more cloudy on Sunday. And then things are going to kind of cool down a little bit next week. Um, so if you're really into the idea of, you know, engaging in some spring break fun, the next couple of days is going to be really nice to get outside and enjoy it. So uh, yesterday, Chris, took. Mm-hmm. I know you saw the picture that I posted on my Facebook page. Right. Uh, 
I bought electric scooters for my girls for Christmas this year. Electric scooters. And they're nice ones, and they they move. I mean, you put a little girl on an electric scooter, and it's moving 20 miles an hour that way. You better have one of your own, and I do. So we rode our scooters to uh, Settlers Park yesterday and sat and uh, let them ride around the park a little bit, and then they played on the playground. There were gobs of people at the park yesterday. <laughs> gobs? I mean, you would have thought that, hey, is this the first really nice day during spring break to get out and enjoy some warm weather? Yes, it was, and there were lots of kids. And, you know, I was probably one of only three dads at the park. There were lots of ladies out there um, and lots and lots of kids. I was just saying I felt a little out of place is all. Yeah. Um, but a beautiful day, and the kids had a great time. Saw some of their friends at the park yesterday. Just played and had a ball yesterday. So, <clears throat> excuse me, looking forward to more nice weather through the weekend. Um, for those of you who are skiers, it sounds like uh, night skiing is coming to a close. Maybe this is the last week, yeah. or last weekend for it. And then Bogus will be closing in just another couple of weeks. So if you're a skier, you know, now that we're in spring break, your chances to uh, get on the slopes here, at least locally, are coming to a very quick end. KBY News Time 645. It is time for sports. It's brought to you by Fat Guys Fresh Deli, where you can always trust a big old fat sandwich. Bob and Shelly and the rest of the guys over there at Fat Guys are ready to take care of you starting at 1030 this morning. Call your order in ahead of time. You could just pick it up and take off. You could sit out on the patio today and enjoy a sandwich. Nate's shaking his head like, yes, I will. Thank you very much. Call it in, 208-855-0424. Fat Guy's Fresh Deli coming to Boise very soon as well. How about some Sweet 16 basketball for your viewing pleasure? Chris, we've got four games on slate for today. Uh huh. It will start. At 5.09 p.m. local time, the number one team in the country, the Gonzaga Bulldogs, the Zags will take on Arkansas today. That's a four seed, by the way. A really good four seed, in my opinion. Arkansas was 27-8 and during the season. Gonzaga, 28-3. and The second game of the night, by the way, that game, the Gonzaga game, will air on Big CBS. If you want to watch the other game, which will be on TBS starting at 5.30, it'll be the number two seed Villanova taking on number 11 seed Michigan. I think Michigan's pretty good, by the way. Lots of talent there and a coach that likes to come out swinging. (laughs) Seen that, Jawan Howard. Second game on CBS tonight will be Coach K and the Duke Blue Devils, number two seed taking on Texas Tech. Uh, That will be at 7.40 tonight. Second game on TBS will be the number one team from the Pac-12, Arizona, taking on Houston tonight. Houston also a really good five seed. They went 31-5 and during the regular yeah. season. Yeah, they were good. One of just a few teams that cracked the 30-win mark. Even they were a number five seed. I know mm-hmm. a lot of people who put them in the final four. There were a lot of people that thought Houston should have been a two seed. I didn't think they deserved the one seed, but they're good. I'll tell you that. That'll be a good game tonight against Arizona. KBOI News Time is 647. 
Remember, if you missed any part of Casper and Chris this morning, check out their podcast on the KBOI app or on KBOI.com. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Just another minute until the top of the hour. ABC News on the way for you. We'll get a look at what's happening with the uh, Wall Street stock market looks up like it's up pretty good but i know we've got a damn near impossible question yeah. that we've got to get out there for folks to start the, thinking uh, about the casper and chris damn near impossible question don't call right now we'll ask you in about an hour and 20 minutes but 208-336-3700 and you'll be playing to win a 50 dollars gift certificate to deja brew laugh latte it's brought to you of course by berkshire hathaway home services silverhawk realty a local company with a global network for all your real estate needs call 208-888-4128 the question who wrote the first movie to win the oscar for best picture that was produced in a country other than the united states and your hint he was not nominated for writing this movie in fact he's written six movies that have been nominated for best picture and he's never been nominated Download the 670 KBOI app for your smartphone for free. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Glad you're hanging out with us. It's 7.07 on Thursday morning. Spring break 2022 Mm -hmm. for uh, a lot of people out there. The Oscars are... Coming up uh, Sunday. That's the reason I asked a trivia question that has to do with the Oscars. Uh, Ed, do you know? Have you have you guys seen any of the movies that have been nominated for Best Picture? This which year? which are the and movies? I'll, I'll do tell you? you what they are: Belfast, no, nope. uh, Coda, no, nope. uh, Don't Look Up, no, nope. Drive My Car, uh, no, nope. The New Dune. I have not seen it, but I would like to see it. King Richard, I have not seen it. Licorice Pizza, no, Nightmare Alley, uh uh-uh. uh, The Power of the Dog. And West Side Story. I've seen West Side Story before on stage, not on yeah, not in the theater. And uh, of course, there's the version that won Best Picture back in the early '60s. I've yeah. seen that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, of the movies, uh, I've actually seen three because so many movies have just been on almost straight to uh, you know straight to uh, uh, satellite TV. Gotcha. Uh, I've seen Coda, which was really good. I've seen Don't Look Up, which I thought was really good. And I've seen Nightmare Alley, which I also thought was really good. good. I'm glad to hear that you've and seen Night- some of those films. Nightmare Alley is is a remake of a movie from the 50s. I don't care at all for Hollywood in general. I like to see movies. Mm-hmm. I like to be entertained. I don't give two cents to anything they have to say politically or about life in general. People in Hollywood don't live like mere mortals they're rich they have no sense of the actual value of a buck could have been a shorter sentence and uh not i don't have any desire to watch them get on stage and rail about politics which is what always happens now during the oscars so i choose not to watch okay um and I, I, actually I think there are probably actually, some uh, other people that feel that way. I know that Mike Casper is not real high on watching the Oscars for much the same reason. I, I haven't actually watched the last few broadcasts of the Oscars, but I do. I, I'm always interested in who wins and who's nominated. But there again, the actual show itself, uh, I used to be really into it, but not as much anymore. It's the kind of thing where I'm interested in finding out who wins 
two or three of the categories, mm-hmm. and I don't really give a rip about the rest. And I don't care so you, to hear what any of them have to say on stage. So you don't like enter in the enter in the contest to try to guess? No, no, I wouldn't participate one, in that. One year, I think it was the year Titanic won Best Picture, which would have been nineteen ninety seven. I guessed I guessed all but two of them correctly, and the ones that I guessed incorrectly were uh, both the short subjects. No kidding. Yeah, I'll be darned. That's not bad. I started with you the know, fact that, like, you know, I mean, Titanic won a level. There, <laughs> there is plenty of online betting for the Oscars. I do know that. If you're, you know, looking for such things, you can lay a bet online. A lot of newspapers uh, online have contests where you win, among other things, like a, a year's subscription to the newspaper. There I, was I almost, a. I almost won the Birmingham, Alabama newspaper one year, but you. I didn't. Good for you. A station that I used to work for in Sacramento, mm-hmm. we have a uh, we had a very popular woman who worked in the afternoons. Her name is Kitty O'Neill, and Kitty used to talk every year about going to the Oscars, and she did. And it was a very big deal for her to have the right dress and the right shoes. And to which I said, "Okay, if you're going to go to a Hollywood event, of course that's that's got to be a big deal, I guess." But I don't. I just don't care about the fashion end of it. Who's wearing what from who at a cost of what? <laughs> Jeez, are you most kidding them, me? Most of them do not pay for their own uh, their own wardrobe. Because this is true. It's, the, the whole point of it to them is to advertise the designer. And then I would hear about the, you know, the goodie bags that celebrities get upon entering the Oscars, especially mm-hmm. those who are nominated for you know, big awards and the, uh, what are they? They're not glad bags. They're, what are they called? The swag that they get. Yeah. I, Except I just, it's not stuff that everybody gets. It's stuff that only no, they get. I, I call it swag. So, but it's like 50 grand or okay, more it's, worth it's of stuff. A, they call it a gift bag. That's all. Yeah. Well, the gift bags for the dudes that are going to the Oscars are pretty crazy. Not everybody gets them, but a they, select number of celebrities do. Th- they do like it. they need it. They do it at the Emmys and the Grammys, too. And, uh, you know, our friend uh, Aaron Paul, uh, who was in uh, Breaking Bad, he uh, ended up winning three Emmys and was nominated, I think, five times. And and the first time he went to the Emmy Awards, he took his mother, who, you know, lives in Meridian. Sure. And uh, they sent her into a room that looked like a little store, and they said, well, pick out what you want. They they were able to choose anything they wanted in the store, uh-huh. uh, and several items, in fact, to be part of their uh, gift bag, and he and he let her take advantage of it, and she was uh, very happy to do so. I would think so. Here you go, mom. Yeah, that is pretty cool. But you go in there, and you know, there's like clothes and and watches. Well, I and... just think it's really cool that he let his mom do that. Yeah, you know. That gets an attaboy. It really does. He's been in town several times. I know he's got a place out in uh, McCall, doesn't he? I, I don't know where his houses are. Last, I haven't seen him in years. Last time I saw him, we both happened to be at the same hotel in Cascade for some reason. Gotcha. Well, I, I feel very strongly about not watching the Oscars because I just don't give a rip about what they have to say. I feel the same way about the ESPYs, the award show for athletes. I feel yeah. the same way about watched, the Grammys. I, I just don't the, watch. Um, I don't care what you have to say. Win an award. Great. We've won awards. Don't rail on about 
how we feel when we get on stage. We just say, hey, thank you very much. It's nice to be here. And then get off the stage. Nobody needs to hear anything else, but they don't get that. I don't watch the ESPYs for the simple reason that I don't think you should vote on who wins a sports award. Uh, you either win the championship or you don't. Yeah. Well, ESPN's looking for people to tune in for something when there's not much going on during the All-Star break. So, you know, that's how that works. But I'm kind of with you. Um, and it, Look, you may feel differently about it. I'll allow you to call in if you want to talk about it. 208-336-3700. Should you or should you not care about what Hollywood's elite have to say when they get on stage? Other than thank you very much. I'd like to thank the Academy. I'd like to thank my mom and dad and my lovely wife sitting right there. Thank you very much for this award. Get off the stage. Nobody <laughs> gives a rip. I don't mind to tell you the truth because, uh, you know, they're citizens like everybody else. De Niro got up and F-bombed the president. That wasn't at and the I Oscars, though. Where was that? Was that at the Golden that, that, Globes? No, that wasn't even an, an award ceremony. Uh, he was just uh, something that he was speaking at. One more reason not to care about celebrities. Maybe I feel too strongly about this. I just don't care. KBOI News Time is 7.15. It's time for sports. It's brought to you by Fat Guys Fresh Deli. A big old fat sandwich won't talk back to you. It's a good way to go, by the way. I don't know what the soup of the day is. I didn't hear what it was. I know yesterday's was pretty good. I know tomorrow's clam chowder day. Today's soup can't be bad because it never has been even once. Call ahead and get your order in. 208-855-0424. Always trust a fat sandwich. That's what you'll find at Fat Guys Fresh Deli and Meridian. In sports, we've told you that there was a big trade made yesterday in the NFL. One in which a lot of people are like, what in the world did they give up to get what? The Kansas City Chiefs understand the idea of sell high, trade low kind of thing. They maxed out what they could possibly get for wide receiver Tyreek Hill. He may not ever be better than he's been with the Chiefs. Chiefs clearly feel like it's time to let him go before having to pay that contract. So Tyreek to the Miami Dolphins, what did the Chiefs get? Five draft picks. A 2022 first-round pick. It's the number 29 selection overall. A second-round pick, number 50 overall. A fourth-round pick plus fourth- and sixth-round picks in next year's draft. By the way, the trade is pending a physical, which is supposed to happen today, according to the Miami Dolphins. But the Dolphins didn't just want to trade for him. They wanted to trade for him and make sure he was going to be there for a bit. What did they give him? Four-year deal. $120 million extension. It includes $72 million guaranteed And upon signing the deal, they're going to write him a check for $52.5 million at signing. The deal makes Tyreek Hill the highest paid wide receiver in NFL history. $72.2 million of that deal becomes fully guaranteed at the start of the 2023 league year. Three-year total of the deal is $72.5 million. That ain't bad. Good for you, Tyreek Hill. Is he worth that much, both in trade value and dollar value, Chris? Uh, No. I would say no. 
because you're paying for what he's already done, not what he can do for the Miami Dolphins. Can he take the top off the defense? Sure. Can he do it for four years? I don't know. Dude's game is all predicated on speed, and as we know, dudes lose a step when they get older. There's more to winning at sports than experience. Experience is nice, but if you have, like, say, 30 years experience, you might be too old to win anymore. Yeah, well, wide receivers lose their legs pretty fast in NFL standards, and uh, hopefully Tyreek Hill can live up to this deal, though. Otherwise, the Dolphins have got some problems. KBOI News Time is 718. Time for the Morning Market Report. Powered by CapEd Credit Union. Keeping you informed about your money before the market opens. Sponsored by Tree City Advisors. On News Talk, KBOI, Boise. 723, time to take a look at what's happening on Wall Street. And we check in with Jeremiah Bates from Tree City Advisors. Good morning, Mr. Jeremiah. How are you today? Doing well, gentlemen. You I could have called I, you Mr. Bates. I just said Mr. <laughs> Jeremiah sounded better to me. Hey, you know the four full syllables, right? <laughs> I gotta, I gotta say, happy two year anniversary. So nice. yesterday, I found this an interesting stat. So um, yesterday, March twenty third, marked the S and P five hundred hitting its pandemic low. So two years removed from that. So if you look at the drop percentage drop at that time. Um, so you so February of 2020, uh, it dropped 34. percent So you go back to March 23rd, 2020, and then you go back to February, it dropped 34 percent as a result from the fallout of COVID. Now, fast forward, the S and P 500 has nearly doubled, posting a uh, basically a 99.2 percent gain. That is the best two year stretch. Ever. I mean, the second best two-year stretch going back to 1937, where April 5th, 1937, it gained uh, just over 100%. So do you find that interesting that, you know, two years in the grand scheme of things, a very short time window, it feels like a much, much longer time span. I kind of look at his time as like pre-COVID and mm-hmm. post-COVID because we're kind of there. Um, but it, it, in my opinion, it just kind of shows, hey, stick, st- stay steady, stick to your course. Don't let the... Uh, the risk tail wag the investment dog. You got to focus on your personal situation. So, kind of um, looking at the markets right now. Hey, uh, we did see equities take a bit of a, a bit of a drop yesterday. Some selling pressure. There was concerns about supply woes as far as uh, some production out of Russia with one of their pipelines. We saw price of crude and price of Brent jump up a bit. However, today we're kind of see it flat now. Brent's right over one hundred twenty dollars a barrel. So, markets are happy to see that. Additionally, we had new jobless claim numbers released today. Weekly jobless claims it dropped to one hundred. 87,000. That's the lowest number since 1969. Mm. So it's impressive number. So that red hot labor market is uh, showing really no signs of cooling off in the near term. So so that's a positive. But um, one thing I did want to touch on, it's kind of an interesting you know, headline that I saw, is uh, the World Bank is issuing a rhino bond. So essentially what they're doing... I'm sorry, is they're, what? It, a rhino bond. So essentially what they're doing is uh, they're trying to incentivize to increase the growth population of the um, of the black rhino population. So essentially what this does is you as a bond purchaser, you're, you wouldn't receive an annual or semi-annual payment. All those proceeds go to the staff at these conservation parks in South Africa. So they battle against poachers, improve conditions for the animals, etc. But how you receive an investment is... It's a measurement based on the population growth of the black rhino. 
which is I, I found it's interesting. It's completely uh, it's completely outcome based, and you as the investor get your return based on the the population growth of that specific annual. Which surprisingly enough, in 1970, I guess there were 65,000 black rhinos. Today, there's only 2,600. So this is an interesting vehicle to kind of achieve this this goal but it, it additionally it kind of adds to this trend that we're seeing where you're seeing philosophy also align with people's investment objectives cuz before uh the the former was not profitable but now you're starting to see these two things mix where you're having big institutional investors money on wall street um putting big dollars behind these these endeavors and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that return what the success rate will be of this rhino bond and if these investors will actually get their get their investment back our callers our callers tell us all the time that there are just tons of rhinos in Idaho so maybe they should come here <laughs> <laughs> you know you could ship them over there and then perhaps it uh boosts those numbers a bit so you can get your investment back but um yeah i just thought it was a you know a, with all the headlines that we're seeing kind of the the doom and gloom yeah there's some interesting dynamics to this whole uh, money machine that we have going on. And this is just one avenue that you can take where you can issue an outcome-based bond to help uh, to kind of help uh, bolster up some, um, some conservation endeavors. All right. Thanks very much for your time this morning. Uh, we'll hear from you in about another hour when we get our stock report. Thanks, gents. All right, take care. KBOI News Time, 727. Today from 10 to 1, it's Dan Bongino. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 7.42 now, News Talk KBOI. Rick Worthington in for Mike Casper today. Uh, Mike will be back on Monday. He's in uh, Arizona doing some golfing, doing some uh, anniversary celebrating. Along with Chris Walton. Morning, Chris. Morning. Robin has written in and says, uh, Hi, Chris. Listening to the convo regarding the Oscars. I haven't even heard of some of the movies nominated, but I have seen King Richard. Excellent movie, by the way. I'm with Rick. I don't watch. When they started being activists or political experts, I turned them off. Entertainers and actors have fans of all political views. I wish they would be more respectful of that fact and tone down the rhetoric. They are influencers. They can cause change by lightening up a bit. Happy Thursday. Well, I kind of agree with that one. Thank you very much for the uh, write-in on that. You know, it, it wouldn't be so bad. Hey, look, even when they say something I might happen to agree with, I just don't think that's the right place to to do that. If they're posting on their Facebook or Instagram you know, they're they're popping out a video on their own social media. That That's cool. It's just when it's a night to celebrate Hollywood, a night to celebrate movies and actors and actresses, let's just do that. Can we just do that? Just celebrate mm. film and not make it about uh, politics and about you? The trouble with uh, political statements and protests of any kind is uh, they're never particularly convenient for me well there's that on the other hand like i said i don't mind them because you know those people are citizens just like everybody else i'm sure. not i'm not going to tell somebody that just because of their job they can't make a political statement well and i will never say that athletes aren't a part of that as well mm -hmm. you know if you're going to tweet about something that you believe in great if you want to wear something on your jersey great i just 
when it comes to the game, I just want to watch the game. I don't want you to stop the game yeah. so that you can make are, a political comment. There, there are two or three national commentators who have told the athletes to just shut up and stay yeah, in the I don't lane. know that I go there. And but. between the two of them, I would probably rather hear the opinion of the athletes than those announcers. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Look, sports has become entertainment, not just sports. You know, we watch it to be entertained. And I understand, okay, the the national anthem became a a really political thing during games. And so I chose to tune in when the first quarter started of games so I didn't have to be a part of that. Just I want to watch. I want to be entertained. I want to watch the game. And during the game, as long as we're not doing anything cool, I'll watch the game. I just didn't really want to be a part of the rest of the rhetoric that was going on ahead of the game. I can observe the national anthem on my own or honor America on my own without having to be a part of the telecast first five minutes. Or, of course, watch the red zone. You don't have to see any of it. That's true. Or the commercials. And that's pretty convenient, too. Pretty much. Love the red zone. You see pretty much touchdown and any team that's inside the 20. It's time for sports. It's 745. It's brought to you by my favorite deli in town, Fat Guys Fresh Deli. See him over there in Meridian, near Mountain View High School on Overland. Call in your order starting at 1030 this morning. They'll have it ready to go for you. 208-855-0424 is the number you can call today. Uh, Tomorrow is Clam Chowder Day. That's one of the most popular soups of the entire week. And as I understand, the best clam chowder you'll ever have. Plan today. Did you know there's now a baseball version of, of the Red Zone? There's a, there's a there's a new channel called Strike Zone, and they're only going to do it a couple of uh, nights a week. But they're going to do the same as Red Zone, where they show you the highlights of every game that's going on right now. That's kind of cool. Of course, for baseball, you could do that every single day of the week. You know, the thing I would like about that is they probably bounce to when the best hitters in the league are up, so you get to see their at bats all yeah. the time. I think that's probably a good idea. A good mention for sports. By the way, uh, Boise State has announced the football team is hosting the 2022 edition of its Pro Day coming up next week on March 30th. The event, which is slated to begin at 1130 in the morning, is open to the media, and I imagine there will be a number of us that go out and check it out. The athletes that will be participating in Pro Day. Daniel Cantrell, he is the long snapper. He will work out. Octavius Evans. Cyrus Habibi Likio, Kaniho, Azuchi, or Asuji, excuse me, Khalil Shakir. Yeah, he's probably going to get drafted. So no Smiths or Johnsons. And we got uh, Jake Stetz that's going to be out there performing. Uh-huh. And uh, Joel Velasquez, the punter. Uh, Pro Day will again will start at 1130 in the morning. Uh, measurements, testing. They'll do the vertical jump. They'll do the broad jump. They'll do the bench press. Uh, they'll do those in the weight room in the Blaymeyer Football Center before then shifting to the uh, Cave and Williams Sports Complex where they will do their 40-yard dash. They'll do the shuttle sprints. They'll do the different position drills. Boise State uh, will not be live streaming Pro Day this year. They had done that in previous years hmm. this year. They're not doing that. But there will be several media outlets covering it. Uh, I'm sure BJ will be out there. I'll be talking to BJ Reigns, I'm sure, all about it. So, again, March 30th is Pro Day. 
KBOI Newstime, 747. Get 670 KBOI on Alexa. First say, Alexa, enable the 670 KBOI skill. Then when you want to listen, say, Alexa, open 670 KBOI. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 7.53 on News Talk KBOI. Again, Mike Casper is out this week. Rick Worthington filling in along with my buddy Chris Walton over here, who loves to get him some sunshine. Tell you what, he's out more than anybody I know, this Chris Walton. But probably not today because uh, there'll be basketball on. I don't go out for a tan, but occasionally I do try to neutralize the blue. (laughs) Well, if you can uh, find time to get out today, it might be worth it. Temperatures right around 70 again today, 75 Friday and Saturday. And then it's going to cool down a little bit next week. Not a lot, but it'll cool down a little bit. I'm not talking about freezing temperatures, but you know who we probably ought to get on sometime this week? Who's that? We ought to get on uh, Mr. Zamzow to come on with us again and talk about, you know, getting your yard ready and things like that. And maybe I'll put in a call to Art Gregory and see if he can help us manufacture somebody who can. I bet he'll do it. Quickly discuss about getting your yard ready for not just spring, but the warmer months ahead. You remember last year we had uh, uh, Mr. Zamzow on. Uh, talk to us about the amount of water you're supposed to be putting on your lawn during the year yeah. and how just about everybody is overwatering and really hurting their lawn by putting on too much water multiple days a week because what it really does is keeps your your lawn from instead of growing big roots deep in the soil and instead having short roots that you know dry up really, really fast because... You're not watering appropriately. So there can be too much of a good thing. Yeah. Basically, his thought was you water once, maybe twice a week, and you you put out a bunch of water all at once. Or Like a lot of people used to just flood their yards for yeah. a day and some, do it once a week. I had some uh, neighbors. I lived on a real flat. Uh, it wasn't on a hill, in other words. Mm-hmm. And, and people used to flood their yards yeah. in that neighborhood. And that that water would last for the entire week and it forces your lawn to grow differently where it grows longer, bigger roots that, you know, extend deeper into the soil and takes Mm -hmm. advantage of the moisture that you put out there once a week. Instead of putting, you know, for watering 10 minutes every day, I mean, yeah, you can do that because you're on ag water and, you know, that's not a real hard thing to do. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we'll talk a little bit about you know, when you put out the fertilizer and what you need to put out there. I think that's something that we might want to pursue. So I'll uh, I'll put the call out there. We've got news on the way for you at the top of the hour. Damn near impossible question on the way as well. KBOI News Time is 7.57. Shapiro this afternoon at 1. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Glad you're with us. Just before the top of the hour. News on the way for you from ABC News. Get a chance to check out what's going on with the uh, war between Russia and Ukraine. Mm-hmm. President Biden going to meet with uh, NATO today. Actually, I saw they were taking pictures and doing some things already. So we can get you an update on that. Local news is on the way for you as well. And coming up once we get into the 8 o'clock hour, we've got a damn near impossible question coming up for you. And we have more tickets to give away today, right? We do. Nathaniel? Jackson Brown. All right. So stand uh, by for a chance to win some of those as well. Don't call right now. We're going to ask you uh, in a, 
about 20 minutes or so to call. Uh, 208-336-3700 for the Casper and Chris damn near impossible question. You will be playing for a $50 gift certificate to Deja Brew Laugh Latte. It is brought to you by Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, Silver Hawk Realty, opening doors to the world for all your real estate needs. Call 208-888-4128. The question, who wrote the first movie to win the Oscar for Best Picture that was produced in a country other than the United States? And your hint, he was not nominated for writing this movie for an Oscar. In fact, he has written six movies that have been nominated for Best Picture, and he has never himself been nominated. Okay, we'll have that for you coming up at 8 o'clock. Meanwhile, news on the way here for you. KBOI News Time, it is 8 o'clock. Listen to KBOI online. Go to KBOI.com and click the Listen Live button. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 807, thanks for hanging out with us on News Talk KBOI this morning. Dow Jones Industrial up 177 points right now. Looks like a decent day for Wall Street. Uh, Uh, Several pieces of news out there today. Which ones do you want to talk about today, Chris? I just wanted to mention very quickly that there's been uh, a $700 million super yacht that's been sitting in in port at an Italian town called Marina di Carrara. Hmm. And apparently they have finally figured out that that yacht belongs to... Vladimir Putin. <laughs> Russian oligarchs uh, have been having their yachts seized around the world. We know that. One yacht was able to elude both being impounded and authorities finding out its owner until now. Fortune reports that a pair of Russian investigative groups may have confirmed that the mysterious yacht belongs to Putin. The yacht, called Scheherazade, appeared in the Italian port town of Marina di Carrara as soon as it docked. It was shrouded in mystery from the crew erecting a metal barrier on the pier to keeping onlookers from seeing it to a panel over the name on the bow to keep people from identifying it. No one knew who it belonged to until an investigative group led by a Russian opposition leader did some digging. The group went the way of finding out who pays the small fries to get to the bigger fish. In other words, uh, the small fries were the crew of the yacht. The group was able to obtain the entire crew list for the Scheherazade. It listed everyone from the captain to workers at the port. The list was made in December 2020 and compiled at the same port in Italy that the Scheherazade is docked at. The captain, Guy Bennett Pierce, was recently interviewed by the New York Times. In the interview, he refused to give up the name of the owner of the Scheherazade. You took my boat. Prepare to die. It, it it does narrow it down, though, when you realize that it's a $700 million yacht because, well, you know, not everybody can afford one of those. Well, Vladimir Putin isn't exactly hurting. No. I mean, he's what the, how many richest person in the world? Unofficially the richest person in the world. Uh, but since we have no idea how much money he really has, he's not even on the Forbes list. No. Uh, the United States has formally accused Russian forces of committing war crimes in Ukraine as well. This, according to ABC News, Secretary of State Anthony Bilkin Wednesday announced that the State Department has made a formal assessment that Russian forces have committed war crimes in Ukraine. The quote, based on information currently available, the U.S. government assesses that members of Russia's forces have committed war crimes in Ukraine. Our assessment is based on careful review of available information from public and intelligence sources. That again, a quote. The assessment doesn't 
come with any new U.S. sanctions, but it backs a global push for accountability for Russia's artillery and airstrikes on civilians and civilian infrastructure there as well. President Joe Biden says he believes that Russian leader Vladimir Putin is a war criminal, an accusation that the Russian government said threatened diplomatic relations between the two countries. Oh, really? What, diplomatic relations between the United States and Russia aren't a little bit strained already? The Uh, hell you say? Sure, they've been a little bit strained since roughly 1917. Um... I did not see specifically which war crimes they are, in fact, accused of. But attacking the civilian population, I guess, in itself is a war crime now. And and apparently that's been the, the case in uh, Ukraine because th- there are several public buildings uh, that have been just simply bombed out and apartment buildings and hospitals as well. They wouldn't say how the U.S. would push for accountability for what it is now deemed war crimes, adding eventually everything will be on the table. We're considering all the various options for accountability. That includes the International Criminal Court, which has opened an investigation into potential war crimes and uh, domestic courts, including in neighboring countries who may gain custody of Russian service members or conduct trials as well. Uh, But the U.S. legal system is ill-equipped to handle cases, according to these individuals, because the U.S. War Crimes Act limits prosecutions to U.S. citizens who are uh, perpetrators or victims. Congress is considering amending that law, though, she said, according to whoever this source is. But because the U.S. is not a party to the ICC, no affirmative cooperation duties, but uh, left open the possibility of cooperating within this. Basically, it says the United States, we can't do anything about this in our court system, but there are several other countries that are right around there that can prosecute these particular cases. So we're waiting to see how that will all play out mm-hmm. as, uh, of course, Joe Biden is talking with NATO today. There is a couple in Poland. Uh, they are uh, actually British citizens, but uh, they're they're both Polish born. And they've done something fairly remarkable. Uh, they lived in England and they went back to Poland to offer, offer assistance to Ukrainians that are crossing the border into Poland. Uh, in fact, they booked an entire hotel, 180 beds, simply for refugees. And, and they're paying for the whole thing. Man. They've also uh, set up some transportation that they're paying for. And they have launched a GoFundMe page. But for the most part, it's starting out with just their money. News today in regards to Madeleine Albright, the first woman to serve as U.S. Secretary of State, died yesterday from cancer at the age of 84. Albright, nominated for Secretary of State by President Bill Clinton, served in that role from 97 to 2001. She was the U.S. Ambassador to the United Nations from 1993 to 1997. President Clinton and former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, in a statement called Albright, one of the finest secretaries of state, an outstanding U.N. ambassador, a brilliant professor, and an extraordinary human being. Uh, The Clintons both saying very nice things about Madeleine Albright. Did did you also hear that Hillary Clinton uh, has COVID right now? Mm -hmm. Albright, of course, was the first female 
Secretary of State, and Hillary Clinton was the third. That's correct. I only mention uh, that Hillary has COVID because it's not like she's super young and uh, COVID, as we know, hits people who are older a little bit harder I think she's differently what? than it does you know, youngsters like Nathaniel over here. 75 or 76. I yeah, she's, she's a little older. Uh, so not making any jokes about this, just saying it could potentially be serious. I don't know if it is or if it isn't, but uh, Hillary Clinton currently has COVID. There's a, another, uh, there's a, a Russian uh, journalist who has a Nobel Peace Prize. And he is auctioning off his medal and going to give the money to Ukraine, to the Ukrainian refugee fund. No kidding. That's kind of a sacrifice, but a nice one. Man, lots, lots of things like that happen every day that you don't get to hear about. I'm glad you brought that one up. Uh, we have news uh, coming up for you at the bottom of the hour. A damn near impossible question before that. And a $50 gift card that you could win. Stand by. We'll have that coming up. KBOI News Time is 815. Drive home live and local with Nate Shellman this afternoon at 3. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 825, the damn near impossible question. We have a question. We have a prize. What we do not have many of are callers this time around. We do, do have we, one. Do we, we do have one. We okay. do have one. That's good. We have a contestant, so we'll get there in the, just uh, a second. Casper and Chris, damn near impossible question. You, uh, by the way, if, if you think you know it, you can still call, obviously, 208-336-3700, but you will win, if you're the first to get it right, a $50 gift certificate to Deja Brew Laugh Latte. It's brought to you by Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, Silverhawk Realty. And the question, who wrote the first movie to win the Oscar for Best Picture that was produced in a country other than the United States? And your hint is, uh, he was not nominated for writing this movie for an Oscar. In fact, he has written six movies that have been nominated for Best Picture, and he has never himself been nominated for an Oscar. All right. We have a contestant. Debbie, you're up. Debbie, thanks for good calling morning. us this morning. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? I'm very good. Now, I don't know if you're going to get the answer to this, but I know well, you know who this person is. Well... <laughs> I, um, from your clues, I don't think I have the right answer, but I think I have a right answer. Okay. Okay. Give it a shot. The, what do you think? The 1948 version of Hamlet was produced in England and it won the Academy Award and it was produced, written, and directed by Laurence Olivier. It was, Although it was adapted from Shakespeare. Exactly. Okay. That's the answer we and, were and looking the, for. And the answer is Shakespeare. Wow. It was. It was adapted by Laurence uh, Olivier, but it was actually written by William Shakespeare. And right. that is the correct answer. Oh, my God. Uh, also <laughs> nominated and written by Shakespeare over the years. There's A Midsummer Night's Dream, Henry V, Julius Caesar, and then two versions of Romeo and Juliet. Nice job. Check out the big brain on Debbie today. <laughs> Way to go, Debbie. <laughs> I like it. Debbie, you just hang right there. We'll get some information from you. We're going to hook you up with a prize, and uh, we'll all be in awe of how smart you are. You know what? He's never been nominated for an Oscar, but he hasn't complained once. Not even once. But you know what? That would be somebody that, uh, you know, could deserve an award or at least some recognition by the Academy. Been nominated for a lot of Tonys, too. Sure has. Not him personally. 
All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We've got news on the way here for you at the bottom of the hour. KBOI News Time is 827. 670 KBOI covers the Idaho legislature. All of the issues, all of the debates. Today, we have Idaho State representatives joining Casper and Chris on 670 KBOI. 838, glad that you're with us on News Talk KBOI. Rick Worthington in for Mike Casper this week, along with Chris Walton, and we have a special guest on the line with us. Uh, we will speak now with the uh, representative from District 18 right here in Boise, the House Minority Leader, Democratic Representative Ilana Rebell. Thank you for joining us today. How are you? Oh, wonderful. Good morning. Always love being on your show. Uh, Madam Leader, uh, I think I know the I think I know the answer to this, but how would you characterize this session of uh, of the legislature? <laughs> well, uh, you know, not I've seen worse. <laughs> it was actually we got some pretty good things done, um, and you know, some there were a lot of kind of dangerous initiatives that got stopped. So I was pleased with that. Uh, but you know, I'd like to be an optimist. We got some good things happening. I I, I hope we're we're in the final stages, but I think we're going to get. The money put it, put into affordable housing. I think that uh, that affordable workplace housing plan in the go. Uh, we got full day kindergarten funded. Uh, we got teachers put on the state health care plan, which is going to make life a lot better for, for teachers around the state. We actually funded our universities and got some infrastructure work done. And, uh, you know, I think in terms of the nuts and bolts, we we made some good progress. Uh, I would have really liked to see us do more on property tax relief. Uh, you know, we had, as usual, six bills to lower property taxes that all got blocked by the chairman. Um, but, uh, you know, on the whole, I, I, I think we made net progress in the right direction. I want to ask you about the big news today, which is the governor signing a bill yesterday. It's the enactment of a law that's kind of modeled after a Texas statute, which bans abortions after about six weeks of pregnancy. Um can you talk about that for a moment? And uh, maybe uh, this is not uh, high on your list of things to uh, have gotten done this year. <laughs> well, yeah, that one I think is is really unfortunate, and I hope the court strikes it down. I mean, this one, you know, I know we have a very pro-life legislature, um, but I don't think that being pro-life means you have to vote for absolutely every bill out there that, that, that bans anything. I mean, at some point, I think there are some bounds of human decency that should be respected. And if someone brings a bill saying, you know, oh, you get to go pull the toenails out from people who have had abortions, or you get to go burn the houses down of doctors who perform abortions. I mean, at some point, there are bounds of decency, and I think this bill crossed that line. Um, It creates, you know, a minimum $20,000 incentive for a woman's family members to rat her out, essentially. I mean, it creates a bounty for abortion informants, whereby anybody in a woman's family can sue for a minimum of $20,000 for basically betraying her most personal confidences about her (laughs) medical situation. Um, And I mean, that just at its core is something I would expect to see in North Korea, not in Idaho. Uh, So, you know, for those who want to ban abortion, I think there are, you know, the the Supreme Court may may do it for them at some point. Uh, But I don't think this is the way I think, you know, turning a woman's family against her and getting them to spy and betray her confidences, I think is really below the belt. Um, And I think the governor knew it. I mean, if you look at his signing state, he was saying this will, you know, exacerbate the harm on sexual assault victims, and it's probably unconstitutional. And, you know, his signing statement read like a veto because I think he knew how bad this bill was. Um, but I think he felt he had to cave to political pressure with the primary coming up and go ahead and sign it. 
what uh, you, you mentioned that there are some good things that were done. What is your biggest disappointment, though, out of this session? Was it was it not tackling the the property taxes? Well, yeah, the property tax one is really frustrating. I mean, for three or four years now, we've had a stack of really good bills to lower property taxes while leaving vital services intact. I mean, that's the catch. Some people come in with with property tax cuts, but they basically take it out of police and fire and, you know, things that people really need. Uh, We had proposals that would have left all those services intact, uh, and we could not get a hearing on any of them. Obviously, you know, as you mentioned, the the third Senate Bill 1309 on the, uh, you know, the abortion informants we didn't love. There's one right now also that we're really, really worried about that looks like it's probably going to get passed by the Senate, and that's that Judicial Council bill, which would basically put the judicial branch under the total control of the governor, uh, which I think is really important, you know, really inappropriate. We need a balance of powers system where we have an independent judiciary, you know, not one that's completely under the thumb of the governor. Uh, That one is, you know, on its way to the governor's desk. I'll be very curious to see if he signs it. Once again, we're speaking with the Democratic representative of District 18 in Boise, Alana Rebell. I'll get you out on this one as we're getting close on time, which has everything to do with time. We're supposed to be done for this session by tomorrow. <laughs> are are we going to get done on time? What's your feeling on this? You know, we. I mean, gosh, we could have been done three weeks ago if, if people just kind of kept their heads down and did their work here. You know, we, we have a very small number of bills left. We've got some critical budgets we have left to pass. If people just pass those budgets and don't blow them up, that's part of the problem is some of these budgets keep getting blown up on the floor and they, they kill budgets for very necessary items, so then we have to come back. Um, but if we just drop, you know, things like jailing librarians and just focus on passing critical budgets to make sure we have a Department of Education and whatnot, we, we could be out here by the end of the day today. Oh. I think it's very doable to be out tomorrow. Don't call it a critical budget, then nobody will vote for it. They don't like well, that word. True. They don't like that word critical. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that one. Yeah. yeah. No, but I mean, you know, I think people are going to realize they need the Department of Commerce and they need public schools and things like that. So you can't just, you know, totally zero out those budgets and have the state actually function. Oh, whatever. You know that the <laughs> Idaho Freedom Foundation is going to want a special <laughs> session around September. We'll see you then, right? <laughs> oh, dear. I hope not. <laughs> Go wash your mouth out with soap. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you very much for your time today. We appreciate it. Good luck on getting out on time. Thank you so much. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye. Once again, uh, representative from District 18 in Boise, Democratic Representative Alana Rebell. And the House Minority Leader, too. That's correct. We'll take a break. We do have uh, another representative to come on with us in just a couple of moments. It'll be Republican Representative Matt Bundy of District 23 in Mountain Home. We'll hear from him. And the Republican perspective, as uh, it looks like the session is coming to a very rapid close. More on that when we come back. KBOI Newstime is 845. 670 KBOI covers the Idaho legislature, all of the issues, all of the debates. Today, we have Idaho State representatives joining Casper and Chris on 670 KBOI. Glad you're with us this morning at 851. We are talking about what's going on in uh, politics today in Idaho, and we're joined by Republican Representative Matt Bundy of District 23 in Mountain Home. He's in his first term. He's a member of the House Appropriations Committee, the House Business Committee, the House Local Government Committee, and he's a pretty nice guy from everything that I've heard. Thank you very much for joining us today, Mr. Bundy. How are you? 
I'm doing great, and I appreciate the uh, the compliment on being a nice guy. But uh, and I've heard great things about your show too. So thanks for the invite. <laughs> Thank you. What's been the highlight of this session for you? You know, this has been as as a freshman last year. We had you know the different layout, the different setup. So it's been really interesting to get back into well, I guess we could consider a normal flow. But a couple of bills that I've been able to work on, uh, one of the budgets that I was able to work on and one of the bills I came really, really meant a lot to me. I, I worked with a constituent in Mount Home who is an audiologist, and she brought to me a state agreement so that audiologists could um, work in different states with telehealth. She had some experiences with some of her patients because we have a large military community in Mount Home where one of the one of the kids that she had to work with had to be in Utah for five or six weeks because of the parents were on military duties and she was unable to provide the service via telehealth. So I ran an audiology um, state interstate agreement. So we're now there's currently 16 states that are, are in this audiology agreement and speech pathology, and there's another 10 states that are doing legislation. So it's been a great boon for healthcare coverage for a military community. And it allows some cross licensing. So if you come in from Wyoming, you can practice your your healthcare trade here in Idaho. So that's been a lot of fun. I, I like those kinds and, of bills. Uh, it's not something I would have thought of myself, but you you hear it and you go, well, that makes a great deal of sense. Yeah, and so we we uh, are doing a couple of those, and it's that was a great bill to get through, and it's on the governor's desk right now. And then um, I. My, my current district is uh, Elmer County, Oahe County, and Twin Falls County over to about uh, Hagerman, Castleport, that area. So as we all know, water is the lifeblood of Idaho. And, uh, you know, I've been a, I was a 20-year military veteran. I've been teaching high school for 18 years. And as I became more involved, as I became more involved in local politics and local government, I really was brought to the realization that water is key. And so I've been able to work with the Department of Water Resources on some projects that are going to benefit not just uh, Elmore County and the Air Force Base, but Idaho as a whole, as we work forward on aquifer recharge, um, the Bear River Water Adjudication, aquifer recharge in, in North Idaho, the Ryrie Dam, uh, Anderson Ranch Dam, we're going to expand the capacities, and then we're working on putting in place the final touches on a on a water project where the uh, Air Force Base over in Mountain Home is going to get its own independent source of water with some water resource board water rights off of the snake and take them off of the Mountain Home aquifer, as that aquifer is obviously, like a lot of them, uh, dwindling. And so I've been able to get very involved in water issues. And I think as my new district spreads north into um, Boise County, Valley County, and then a little bit east into Custer County, I think water issues and land use management are all things that I've been able to work work on and get to know that are going to benefit not only Idaho but my my specific district as well. So those two things I've really been been happy to kind of hang my hat on the audiology state compact and being involved in uh, the future of water use and um, reclamation in Idaho. Once again, it's Republican Representative Matt Bundy, District 23 in Mountain Home that we're speaking with this morning on News Talk KBOI. Uh, you you kind of touched a little bit on something I wanted to ask you about, which is what's important to us here in the Treasure Valley isn't always represented very well for other districts in rural Idaho, like Mountain Home, for instance. What was the important issues for your constituents for this legislative session? And do you think you touched on those things this year? I do. Um, as you kind of indicated, the uh, Elmore County and over into 
Twin and Wahi are very agriculturally based. The, the Air Force Base is important. It's a, it's a key economic driver in Elmore County, but it's an $800 million economic driver for all of Idaho, as well as touching into you know national security, international relations right now. So I think preserving and enhancing the Air Force Base is key, not just to my district, but to, I mean, you can go into international relations as well. I know that there are uh, in open sources, you can see that the gunfighters are over in Eastern Europe um, right now, kind of making sure that that is contained and, and they'll kind of handle that as national defense handles that. And the water issues that I've been able to touch on have been key. And, and some of the issues have been specific to my district. But when you look at the Department of Water Resources board and you look at the uh, all of the projects they're working that's a, something that's been able to influence i think water projects around the state and the anderson ranch dam even though it's in elmore county a lot of that water flows through the new york canals into ada county in those areas so um, i've been able to focus on issues that are important to to my district but interestingly enough the major issues that i've worked on are also going to benefit all of idaho so i was very fortunate in that area and the other thing is uh, when when you work with uh, food production, I mean, one of the big areas that I worked on over in the Castleford area in Buell is food production. There's a lot of food production industries that are coming into Idaho, Chivani, Clip Bar, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a lot of those type of things. And that's a good way for the agricultural industry in Idaho to be obviously in the um, the growing and, uh, you know, with the, worked with the Oahe cattlemen a lot. Uh, you know, the production and, and those those folks aren't just impacting Idaho. They're international businessmen. That was the, a very big eye opener for me as I became involved with the cattle industry uh, to see the major markets, the major overseas markets that Hawaii cattlemen work in. It's just it's just amazing to work with those folks. Yeah. And it's been a tremendous amount of fun and learning for me. Farming and ranching out there in the rural areas of Idaho. That's the number one driver. I do know that. Uh, Mr. Bundy, thank you very much for your time this morning. I know that uh, it looks like we're going to get you guys out of town here sometime here pretty quick and back out to Mountain Home. Best of luck as the session comes to a close, and thank you for your time today. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to speak with the folks of Idaho. Have a great day. Thank you very much. Once again, uh, Representative Matt Bundy, District 23 in Mountain Home. News on the way for you. KBOI News Time. It is 857. For Google Play, simply say, hey, Google, play 670 KBOI. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 906 on News Talk KBOI. Rick Worthington in for Mike Casper today. Want to thank our guests for joining us on today's program. If you didn't have an opportunity to hear our legislators join us, you can, of course, catch the podcast hear more about what they had to say. It was Democratic Representative Ilana Rebell. She's the House Minority Leader that spoke. uh, We talked to her about a couple of different things, including the abortion bill uh, that was just signed by the governor yesterday. And she basically said she didn't like the bill. She didn't think the governor really liked the bill, but that he had to sign it because of political pressure headed towards the primary. And she might be right. I don't know. We also spoke with Matt Bundy, the uh, representative from District 23 in Mountain Home. Uh, who sounds like he's pretty anxious to get everything done with this session and talked a lot about water, which I think he is absolutely right, is the biggest issue that isn't talked about very much, considering how important water is for agriculture all across the state, 
But it's I mean, complicated, too. Naturally, water is going to be important. But I mean, it's like, look at what California does. All the water that they have pretty much goes to Southern California. And California also, they're absolute morons about how they accumulate their water. How they just, it seems like every year, year in and year out, I hope Idaho doesn't become this way. They let all their water out for fear that suddenly there's going to be this huge pouring of water into their dams and that they're going to lose the ability to hang on to all that water. And, you know, like you're going to have to build an ark to take care of all the water that's coming their way. (laughs) And then they don't have any water. It's all gone. They've all let it out to sea. And everybody's like, well, where's all the water? Why is it so expensive for water? It's because they let it all go well, we every were ex- year. We were expecting two to 300 uh, more inches of rain than we got. Yeah. Well, I look at how much water is over there in our reservoir close by, and I don't see a whole lot of water in there. No. You know, it would be really been. nice to let that thing fill up quite a ways before you let all the water out. It has not been a record year for snowpack. It has not. In fact, the story that we did the other day said that we were looking for about 120% of our snowpack this year to kind of get back to where we needed to be. To let the reservoirs fill up the way they needed to be, we needed about 120%, and we were way below that. It wasn't that way the whole year, though. I mean, come January, we thought we were going to be well above normal. Turned out we were well below because February, we got nothing. Snowpack. Always sounds like a political action committee that's interested in winter sports. Water is a huge issue, and it's going to become a much bigger issue this year when we find out we don't have nearly enough. The way Idaho is growing its population, and I'm not just talking about folks from California that are headed this way. I'm talking about people that are coming here from all over the country because Idaho is so nice. Joe has written in, and I believe... He, well, he is talking about the abortion bill. He uh, titled this, Why Did He Sign the Abortion Bill? He says, Chris, despite the state's attorney's general's, the state attorney general's warning that the bill was unconstitutional, Governor Little signed the bill. Little said he had reservations, writing in his transmittal letter that he fears the civil enforcement mechanism will, in short order, be proven both unconstitutional and unwise. And I guess he signed it. Basically, I would say he signed it in case it's not. So why did he sign a bill bill that he says will prove to be both unconstitutional and unwise? Reason number one, it's not wasting his money in legal costs. It's every Idaho taxpayer's money. Is it time to refund the emergency legal folly fund, which has cost taxpayers over $4 million in the past nine years? Reason number two, being an election year, he is pandering to the far right to block McGeehan support. He acted just like another hack I used to think higher of him. That's Joe of Boise. Well, Joe, you could be right in some of what you said there. I think there is great political pressure from most people on the right to back any bill that makes abortion more difficult. In the state of Idaho, the conservative right, and not just the far right. Look, we know that there's a contingency of far right here in Idaho. But it's not everybody on the far right that wants to make it as difficult as possible 
to have an abortion in the state of Idaho. And the governor appeals to his entire base, not just the far right, when he supports a bill that makes it harder in Idaho to have an abortion. The governor speaks to his base on every front when he addresses this particular issue. Look, I know it for a fact. It's the only issue my mother votes on. It's her most important thing. If a candidate is not completely against abortion, she will not vote for that person. So she's pro-life. Entirely pro-life. Okay. It is the one issue she will vote on more than any other. It will take her to the polls and her entire Christian women's club, her entire Bible study group. It is the one issue more than anything else that they absolutely will go to the poll on. Uh, It... uh seems to really polarize people that you, you hardly ever find anybody who has just a, you know, uh, a meh opinion about abortion. People either seem to be uh, very pro-choice or very pro-life and not a lot of gray area. You're very right about that. If you'd like to talk about it, the bill that was just passed, the number to call 208-336-3700. 1-800-529-KBOI or pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. Curtis, uh, we talked earlier about William Shakespeare, uh, that he has had six uh, movies that he wrote nominated for Best Picture, but he doesn't get nominated for Best uh, Writing, you know, because he's, well, he wrote everything in like the 16th and 17th centuries. Anyway, uh, Curtis says if he did win an Oscar, could you imagine his acceptance speech? <laughs> yes, I, I assume it would be eloquent and... And probably end with a rhyme. Of some I'd sort. probably have to break it down in class, too. I'd be like, what did he say? Yeah. Let's take this apart, sentence by sentence, and see if we can figure it out. Blaine has written in, and uh, uh, he's definitely pro-choice. He says, I'm not surprised by the lack of reason in her statement, talking about Ilana Rebell. Anyone comparing Idaho law to North Korea needs to go live there a while to uh, then get back to us on that. Abortion is murder. I know there are some special circumstances, and those are difficult, but for the most part, it's a way for people to avoid past actions. You'd be surprised how much money can be made from the industry of helping people avoid their past actions. Once again, 208-336-3700, the number to call. And Jared, you're up in Boise. Thanks for waiting, Jared. How are you? Yeah, I just wanted to kind of touch on that whole water control thing. Uh, You said you worked with uh, KFDK. So you're familiar of this little town of Orville, correct? Yes, I am. So you remember 2019, that dam gave way? I remember, yes. Actually, my brother was part of the National Guard unit that had to go up and try and help them uh, divert some of the water. Yeah. Uh, my, my grandparents lived out there, and we had to get them out. So I'm just saying before, that that is an actual problem that could happen. So just make sure you got your facts straight. Before sure. You- Sure, I I, I realize like what you're saying. Are you familiar with Folsom Dam? Yeah. How much water do they have in that thing right now? Not much right now. You could walk I'm across the whole thing without getting your feet wet, man. It's 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 Folsom Puddle right now. Yeah. But I'm just saying, you know, they, they, it's not it's not it's not the that far out of out of whack for them to experience some sort of torrential downpour for a month on end. Yeah, you're not wrong. So. You're not wrong. Appreciate your time. It Thank you very much. Management, though, for yeah. Sure. yeah. Take care. Jared, appreciate your time as always. I remember I mean, the only damn disaster, that's with one M, no N, 
that I've ever been through is the Teton Dam mm-hmm. it, back in 1976. I remember the day that that broke. It was that precedes a, me being here. I don't know about it was, that one. Uh, it was on a Saturday, and it, it, it just completely flooded several of the eastern Idaho towns and cities. And, and uh, we had a place right on the river in clear down in Hagerman. Mm-hmm. And even there, uh, the lawn was flooded, but it didn't get up to the house because we were kind of built on a hill. Good for you. I know it had to have affected a lot of people, though. Yeah, I mean, those dams are, and reservoirs are there for a reason. Love to invest some infrastructure money and make sure those things are in good shape, and mm-hmm. then let them fill up. Uh, Francis of McCall says, uh, is the opposite of pro-life, pro-death. Sounds like it. Or it could be anti-life. That's also the opposite of, uh, of pro-life. But uh, in this particular case, for the sake of abortion, people tend to call themselves either pro-life or pro-choice. And almost all the pro-choice people tell you that they're also pro-life, but that they don't want a woman to have to be told what to do by the state, like as if she were a broodmare. If you'd like to weigh in, 208-336-3700 is the number to call. Their words. Uh, I understand we have some tickets to Jackson Brown to give away. Can we give some of those away right now, Nathaniel? Let's do it. 208-336-3700, 1-800-529-KBOI. Caller number, let's go with six. Caller six. We like six around here. Caller number six. We're going to give you some tickets. Call right now. KBOI News Time is 916. A great one. Mark Levin, tonight at 7. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 919 on News Talk KBOI. In the home stretch for this program, last hour of the show, but your calls are welcome at 208 336 3700, 1 800 529 KBOI. And congratulations to Linda Kinnett, who is headed to see Jackson Brown. Congratulations to you, Linda. Now, by the way, if you didn't win, we will have another opportunity for you to win tickets later on this hour. I'm told that we have another set of tickets to give away. So mm-hmm. stand by for your chance to win. We are we are flush with tickets today. Uh, Facebook, which turned 18 last month, has developed something of a reputation for being the social network for somewhat older Americans. That reputation is not unearned. According to research by Pew Research Center, nearly 72 million Americans over the age of 50 use Facebook. And while the platform still has more users under the age of 50 than over, Facebook remains uh, many older Americans' sole social network. Uh, That's something the AARP, the American Association of Retired Persons, is looking to change. The nonprofit funded the creation of Senior Planet Community, a social media network that encourages users to join pre-existing groups around shared interests, including gardening, travel, fitness, food, technology. In that way, it feels more like a pared-down version of Reddit or a small collection of forums. Besides its uh, focus on the 50-plus set, Senior Planet Community stands apart from Facebook in that it's not commercial. The site has no advertising and no membership fees. Interesting. See a story uh, that just came out from ABC News about the University of Michigan. They've reached an agreement to settle a lawsuit brought by the students who sought to force changes in how the school protects the campus from sexual misconduct. Now, you may remember uh, something about that story. It's part of a deal which was filed in federal court on Thursday. The 
Ann Arbor School will create and pay for the multidisciplinary standing committee designed to protect the university community from sexual abuse. Uh, The coordinated community response team will be comprised of about 30 members, including Title IX and campus sexual misconduct experts. Um, Why did this all take place? Well, the school had been rocked by allegations that began to publicly surface in 2020 from hundreds of men who said they were sexually assaulted by the late Robert Anderson, a campus doctor who spent nearly 40 years at Michigan, died in 2008. In January, the school announced a $490 million settlement with Anderson's accusers, a separate legal action from a class action lawsuit uh, brought by Josephine Graham, University of Michigan senior. Both agreements were reached under the supervision of a court-appointed mediator, according to the school. But uh, looks like some people are going to be paid as opposed uh, to having this all swept underneath the rug, uh, the sexual abuse lawsuits. Oh, we have a caller? Sid is in Boise. Thanks for calling us this morning. Sid, how are you? Yeah, good. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, this may be a dumb question, but I I remember last week the governor of Washington and then I think Oregon invited women to go over to their states to have an abortion or use services over there or whatever. So I I was just wondering if this law covers, if if you could sue somebody in Washington and Oregon for providing abortions to people in Idaho. You can sue somebody, but the state can't do it. They're they're going to let you know other citizens do it, but right. the state really has no control over what you do if you're in another state. Uh, however, uh, a, a person like an interested party, like you know a mother-in-law, cousin, whatever, can sue. But what if they live in a different state? Uh, I'm not sure about that, but uh, chances are they have a right to sue in Idaho as well. It's an interesting yeah. question, though, and I I'd love to tell you that I understand everything about this uh, new bill and the law that would go into effect in Idaho. Um, The law allows the father, grandparents, siblings, aunts and uncles of a pre-born child to each sue an abortion provider for a minimum of $20,000 in damages within four years after the abortion. Rapists can't file a lawsuit under the law, but a rapist relatives could. Believe it or not. Wow. And then, how about the governor of Washington? Since he's an accessory to all this, could he be sued also? I wonder. That, you know, boy, if you've I, got I, to I create uh, enough lawyer, I would imagine you could. I don't know how they can, would put it forth, but you can sue anybody you want. But I don't know whether you would right. win that one or not, simply because right. all he's doing right. is telling people what's legal in his state that isn't in theirs. Right. Yeah. It's an excellent yeah, question, it's, though, it's, Sid. Yeah, appreciate it. It's Thanks for the call. It's a crazy bill. I don't I don't understand why they would pass something like that. Mm. Well, even though they passed it, it doesn't mean that it'll hold water. It's like that with a lot of laws that pass sometimes. This particular law has a lot to do with what's going on in Texas. So I'll explain a little bit just reading from uh, the story that's in the Idaho Press today. The law is modeled after a Texas law that the U.S. Supreme Court is allowed to remain in place until a court challenge is decided on its merits. The Texas law allows people to enforce the law in place of state officials who normally would do so. 
Texas law authorizes lawsuits against the clinics, doctors, and anyone who aids or abets an abortion that is not permitted by law. Now, a number of other states are pursuing similar laws, including Tennessee, which introduced this Texas-style abortion bill earlier this week. Republicans here in Idaho have supermajorities in both the House and Senate. The measure passed the Senate 28-6, the House 51-14, with no Democratic support. Three House Republicans voted against the measure. Uh, Little said yesterday he had serious concerns about the legislation, but of course signed it anyway. Uh, Jim writes in and to, to, in fact, address that. He says, hi, as previously stated in another email, Little himself noted the bill is legally untested and likely to be found unconstitutional. He also said, ultimately, this legislation risks re-traumatizing victims by affording monetary incentives to wrongdoers and family members of rapists. If a governor comes to a conclusion like that, they veto the bill. If not, then they have sold their soul. I hope he can still sleep well. Well, that's fair. You know, I, however, I'll, I'll be honest. I, though. I, I I I understand them passing the bill, even though it may be unconstitutional, because at least we've got something that they can, you know, put forward and, and ask: Is this unconstitutional? Sure. As opposed to just doing nothing. Sure. You know, sometimes you have circuit breakers that are in bills like this, it, it's automatically off the books if something in Texas or in Tennessee or some other state where it's proven to be unconstitutional, then it goes away so that we don't have lawsuits that we have to worry about. Sometimes there are circuit breakers attached to this to keep that from going into play. I don't know if this has that or not. It would sure be nice if somebody who knew more about this than I did could call and talk to us about it. We've got news at the bottom of the hour for you. We'll take your calls at 208-336-3700. KBUI News Time is 927. Broadcasting from the Empire Title Studios, we are News Talk KBOI. Nine thirty-five on News Talk KBOI. Mike Casper is out this week. Rick Worthington filling in along with Chris Walton today, taking your calls at 208-336-3700, 1-800-529-KBOI or pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. I told you we would have more Jackson Brown tickets to give away sometime before the end of this hour. Stand by. We will be doing that here fairly shortly. First, though, I'm I'm sorry. Go for it, Chris. I was going to say Mackenzie Scott, um, the uh, former wife of Amazon founder Jeff Bezos, uh, has donated... $3.86 $3.86 billion in, uh, uh, to uh, 465 different nonprofits Man. since uh, June, since last June. Yeah. $3.86 billion. Yeah. Uh, she's pledged to give away pretty much all of the money that she has, which uh, is half of uh, what uh, Amazon used to be worth. Right. And then, of course, Jeff Bezos uh, took the rest when they divorced. Uh, of the 465 nonprofits that receive donations, 60% are led by women. 75% are helmed by people with experience in the regions they support and the issues they seek to address. Uh, basically, she's saying she uh, donates to a lot of international causes as well. Yeah. And she has been very uh, upfront about the idea that she doesn't want to keep any of that. 
she's going to, she will give away every bit of that. Wouldn't that be a fun uh, problem to have? How to spend your billions. Yeah. No kidding. You'd go to a lot of uh, banquets, I bet. Because every time you made a, a, a contribution to somebody, they would probably invite you. Invite you to, you to dinner. Why and, not? Uh, of course, and you could be invited to their <laughs> fundraiser where you could give more. Let's talk with Dylan in Boise. Thanks for calling us this morning on KBOI, Dylan. How are you? Oh, it's a beautiful day. Yes, it is. Where's the snow? Come on, rain. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, Isaac Newton, for every, you know, action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Who's to say there isn't some weird fellow in Idaho that believes in his lo- ability to reproduce for life and a, and pro-life and just goes out and impregnates every girl he can possibly find and then sues him for not wanting the baby. You know, there's some weird stuff in this now, bill. What, I don't know if it's right. In in this scenario, what team would he play for? He would pay, play for the Cowboys. Gotcha. <laughs> Sorry, that one's for Rick Worthington. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Have a, good, have a good morning. Dylan, family. that's the best call of the day. You win. <laughs> you win, Dylan. He <clears throat> plays for the Cowboys. Uh, I don't even know how to follow that up. It was so good. Number to call, 208-336-3700. Try and beat that one, if you will. 1-800-529-KBOI. Just saw a story come across that I wanted to share with you. Russian forces are continuing their attempt to push through Ukraine from multiple directions while Ukrainians, led by President Vladimir Zelensky, are putting up stiff resistance, according to U.S. officials. The attack that began January 24th when uh, the Russian president announced special military operation. I'm getting to the point here. Russian forces moving from neighboring uh, Belarus towards Ukraine's capital of Kiev have announced closer or have advanced that is closer to the city center in recent days. Despite the uh, resistance, heavy shelling, missile attacks, many on civilian buildings, as well as major cities. Russia also bombed western cities for the first time this week and a military base near the Poland border. And the word is that there are 6,000 Maripol residents that are allegedly now in a Russian camp. Ukraine has accused Russia of forcibly deporting residents of that city. Russia has uh, been met by sanctions, of course, from the United States, Canada, Countries throughout Europe targeting the uh, Russian economy as well as Putin himself. But it looks like maybe they've got residents in camps. And, I mean, we've seen some really nasty accusations of uh, torture Mm -hmm. and kidnapping children from families. I mean, really disturbing things happening there. That was a report that just came out from ABC News I wanted to share with you. Uh, NASA has confirmed 5,000 more planets that they have found beyond our solar system, not in our solar system. That would be fairly crowded. Uh, Not that long ago, the first exoplanet was discovered. Today, more than 5,000 have been discovered, archived, and will be studied by researchers determined to answer what lies outside our solar system. My guess is other solar what systems. What is, uh, if you don't mind me asking, what is an exoplanet? An exoplanet just means it's outside our solar system. I see. Okay. An exoplanet. Mm-hmm. I'm not. 
I don't believe I've heard the term before. The latest batch of 65 new confirmations pushed NASA archives over 5,000 exoplanets with almost 9,000 candidates left to study. Some 31% of the exoplanets are super-Earths, a team that refers to or a term that refers to a planet's size and means it is larger than Earth but smaller than say Neptune. Super-Earths have varying compositions with one hot enough to incinerate metal and another that may have oceans covering the entire surface. Interesting. Uh, I was going to say, I saw that in a movie recently. Yeah. A uh, smaller percentage of the... Uh, actually, it was Interstellar. It wasn't that... Yeah, I watched that it show. It wasn't that recent. A smaller percentage of the uh, observed exoplanets are comparable in size to Earth and might have familiar qualities like rocks and oceans. If they have animals and food, you know, we'll probably go there. This uh, 4% group represents the best chance at finding an Earth-like planet. Interstellar's a, a trip. I like that that movie. But it has so much math in it that trying to keep up with some of the theories that they present, yeah. it makes it hard to follow if you don't have an idea of some of the ideas that are being presented about black holes and gravity and time. I think it's it's kind of funny that Matt Damon was in two movies in a row where essentially he's left on a planet by himself. <laughs> <laughs> Martian was even better, by the way. Yeah, that's true. I like Martian better than, uh, than uh, Interstellar. If you haven't seen it, you should. Story from South Korea about North Korea test firing possibly its biggest intercontinental ballistic missile Towards the sea yesterday, actually today, according to its neighbors, raising the ante again in a pressure campaign aimed at forcing the United States and other rivals to accept it as a nuclear power and remove crippling sanctions. The launch, which extended North Korea's barrage of weapon tests this year, came after the U.S. and South Korea military said the country was preparing a flight of its new large ICBM which was first unveiled last year, I guess it was 2020 in October. South Korea's military responded with a live-fire drill of its own missiles launched from land, a fired uh, fighter jet, that is, and a ship, underscoring a revival of tensions as nuclear negotiations remain frozen. Said it confirmed readiness to execute precision strikes against North Korea's missile launch points, as well as command and support facilities. South Korea's Joint Chiefs of Staff said the North's ICBM fired from the uh, uh, area near Pyongyang traveled about 1,000 kilometers or about 670 miles and reached a maximum altitude of uh, about 3,800 miles. Missile was apparently fired on a high angle to avoid reaching the uh, territorial waters of Japan. So at least they're paying attention to Japanese international waters, um, but uh, signaling yet again North Korea test-firing ICBMs, which is never a good thing. Yeah, You, you know, the, the story it was somebody proposed 40 years ago that rather than have just uh, you know, missile silos and things, we should attach them to uh, RVs and let people just drive around with them. And then, you know, they would be able to be fired by wherever you are. Like if you're up at the lake with friends or something in your RV, and we we need your, you know, we need your vehicle because uh, we have to launch a missile, you could do it from there. Mm -hmm. And they referred to them as uh, ICBMWs, uh, which means Intercontinental Ballistic Missile Winnebago's. (laughs) Do you get a price break on gasoline? Because I tell you what, they never followed through with that. You could get a price 
break on gasoline, there'd be some Winnebago owners be like, you know, you can strap it to the but, side or on top. But I mean, here. you know, they, you know, the enemy would be quaking in their boots, uh, you know, thinking there's a whole bunch of Americans that are out for the weekend with a six pack and a Polaris. <laughs> hey, don't you know, mess with us. Whatever it takes for world peace, Chris Walton, whatever it takes. Yeah. <laughs> well, mi- <laughs> missiles for peace. Donate today. Uh, if you'd like to call, the number to call, 208-336-3700. You want to give away some more tickets? Why not? All right, let's do it. Caller number six right now, 208-336-3700. We're going to give you a pair of tickets to see Jackson Brown. We'll tell you who our winner is when we come back. KBY News Time is 945. Be a part of the show at 336-3700 or toll-free 1-800-529-KBOI. Now, back to Casper and Chris on News Talk KBOI. Thanks for hanging out with us. Final segment of the program today. Rick Worthington in for Mike Casper, 949. Congratulations to Brad. Brad, the winner of our Jackson Brown tickets. I think we have one more pair to give away tomorrow, though, right, Nathaniel? Correct? All right. So stand by for that. Uh, Again, if you want to jump in before the program's over today, again, the number to call, 208-336-3700. John says, ask Rick why he roots for a team that is only one star. Uh, I'm not sure what that means, but you don't root for the Cowboys. I do not. You root for the Raiders. Yes. But, uh, you know, I guess the Cowboys have. I root against the Cowboys on a regular basis, though. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm not not a Dallas Cowboys fan. Never have been. Uh, I have several friends that are Cowboys fans. Look, they're... Cowboys have lots of fans, mm-hmm. all right? So I don't root for them. I root against them on a regular basis. So anytime somebody, you know, rips on the Cowboys, that's definitely, uh, you know, playing however, to my strength. However, I know that uh, I have, and I know my, Mike Casper has, in recent years been rooting for the Cowboys to do well simply because they've had so many Boise State uh, alum on their, yeah. on their team. Yeah. Uh, I saw that uh, the Cowboys made the mistake of letting Cedric Wilson go, though. He is one of the new wide receivers as well of the Miami Dolphins. Oh, is that right? Yeah. So having Tyreek Hill join up with the Dolphins and having said Wilson over there as a good number two, well, they've already got a couple of halfway decent wide receivers over there. I know Miami's been trying to beef up that offense a little bit. There are... I will be happier rooting for said over in Miami than I will rooting for him in Dallas. How's that? Good. There are two uh, on, on my team, which has now become the Commanders, formerly the Redskins. Uh, but the Washington Commanders' initial or inaugural season, which this is, will have two Boise State Broncos on the team, and that would be a tight end John Bates and uh, also Charles Leno Jr. Nice. I didn't know that Leno had come over. Right. He's, Last he's, I heard, he was with the Bears, I guess. He's been with uh, the Redskins, I think, for a couple of years now. Has he? Or been? not the Redskins, but you know who I'm talking about. I know who you're talking about. The Washington about the football commanders. team. Yeah. All right, the commanders. Go football team. You don't get to say that anymore. I'm so sad yeah, here, for you. The only, here's the only thing that gets me is one of the biggest traditions in, in Washington was uh, singing a song called Hail to the Redskins. Every mm-hmm. Redskin fan knows it. And, and you know, we even uh, end messages to each other with HTTR, which means Hail to the Redskins. Uh, but I, I don't think they're going to play that anymore because they're not called the Redskins, and it talks about Braves on the warpath, which is what they're trying to get away from. So mm-hmm. we, what we need is a new, very catchy commander song. Good luck with that. 
Bad news for folks out there that are thinking about buying a house or thinking about refining their current home. Average long-term U.S. mortgage rates jumped again this week. 30-year loan rate climbed to its highest level since January of 2019. Increase coming after the Fed last week increased the key rate, which had kept near zero since the pandemic recession nearly two years ago, by more than a quarter point. Central Bank is signaling potential up to seven additional rate hikes this year. Mortgage buyer Freddie Mac reported today the average rate on the 30-year loan this week jumped 4.4% from 4.16 last week. We did a refi year before last, and I think my rate was, I want to say 3.1. Maybe it was less than that. Maybe it was 2.7. But I mean, it was... It was at the point where it was so good that if you didn't take advantage of it, you'd smack yourself later because it's like getting free money. Mm-hmm. Mortgage buyer Freddie Mac reporting it's from 4.1 to now 4.2. So if you've been holding off on locking in rates, you really got hosed on this. Sorry to say. I hope you locked in before that happened. A year ago, the 30-year rate stood at 317 Average rate on a 15-year fixed-rate mortgage, popular among those refining their homes, rose to 3.6 from 3.3 last week. Home prices are also up about 15% over the past year, as much as 30% in some cities. What is it here in Boise? I don't know what it is right now, but, I mean, we already know that Boise is one of the least affordable markets in the entire country. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you went to Europe, did you go to, you went to Italy? Did you go to Rome? We did, yes. But you didn't go to Venice. I did not go to Venice. Uh, In Venice, uh, if you check into a hotel, they have uh, just a bunch of aggressive seagulls that have been attacking people for some reason in Venice. Venice? Really? Yeah. You know, they're right there on the water uh, in more ways than one. And uh, if you check into a hotel in Venice now, they actually give you a squirt gun. Because apparently, uh, the, the seagulls when they even the the guns are bright orange, and when the seagulls even spot them, I don't know if they can see in color, but they spot them, and they know that uh, they're about to get pummeled by by water, and so they they end up flying away. You know, usually you hear about squirrels that are really aggressive about stealing food, or raccoons mm-hmm. that are really aggressive about I, stealing food. Because I know you go to a park and you can't mess with the wildlife. I know and one that, that applies uh, to those little rodents. I know one that lives very close to where I do. Uh, way too close, and uh, has actually learned how to use a doggy door. So we're going to have to do something about that. Squirrel or raccoon? Yeah, no, it's a squirrel. Uh, if it were a raccoon. I was going to make a joke. If it were a raccoon, I, I think we'd have, we'd have already moved. <laughs> Guys, that's going to do it for the program today. We'll have uh, one more day of me filling in for Mike, and then he'll be back on Monday. Enjoy your afternoon. It's going to be great outside.